What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook and Total Beverage in Westminster. It's a midweek quick hit podcast for you. Of course, we only got one game to cover. I'm your host, JJ Jerez, Arif Dean with me, Patrick Stedman on the ones and twos. Arif, it's just so crazy how last year I felt like we had such a great rhythm getting to podcast after every two-game set, right? Especially when they had those two-game sets, they'd go anywhere and go play for two games and we'd break down the two games and this season we've only been breaking down one game at a time one game at a time I know we've commented on it before but this this week for some reason it's finally getting to me I'm happy that the every other night schedule is starting to roll out here in the next couple weeks yeah I was looking at the standings before yesterday's game in Vancouver and I noticed something really interesting and this is just one team but there was probably a a couple more Heading into Wednesday, the Red Wings had played 18 games. The Avalanche had played 12. So the guys running the Red Wings podcast somewhere in Detroit are like, God, we're in such a good rhythm and it's about to slow down. And we're sitting here like, can we get into a damn rhythm? And it's finally coming upon us. Obviously, Thanksgiving is going to be a little slow, but it's coming in about a week, week and a half. Hockey Motown High, I th- I like to think, is their podcast name over there in Detroit. Hey, hey, Hockey Town or something like that. I like hockey Motown high. But yeah, let's get into the Colorado Avalanche. Feels like the boys are buzzing. Most recently, the 4-2 win in Vancouver. First time that the Avs have been in Canada in over 600 days, which is nuts. But uh, they took care of business, right? I mean, it was a a decent game, hard fought. You knew Vancouver, they're they're pissed off right now. So you knew they were going to not make it easy on Colorado. And it was essentially a 1-1 game going into the third period where the Avs took over. But I think the real talking point is the special teams there. I think the special teams really won that game for Colorado. So getting into the power play, they had three power play goals and an empty netter. So of the four goals, three of them were um, power play. So yeah, let's get into the power play. Why don't we? Yeah, so uh, that's actually funny that you went that route because as soon as you started talking and saying it was a decent game, I was going to jump in and say, yeah, the Avalanche played well, but they actually weren't that good five on five. Like Vancouver kind of dominated five on five. Understandably so. They're at home. They're pissed off. They lost four straight. They're kind of on edge. They're fragile. You want them to have a good game. But then you went into the special teams and it's like, well, yeah, that's exactly why they want. Their power play was excellent. I mean, they generated opportunities, a lot of them because of a Vancouver, a frustrated Vancouver team. But most importantly, they took advantage of those plays. They scored when they had the opportunities. They scored three times. I mean, they have 10 power play goals all year. Think about that. They've played 13 games. They got 10 goals on the power play, and three of them came yesterday. And if that already doesn't sound great enough, this three-game winning streak has produced six of those power play goals. Six of the 10 all year have come in the last three games. That means in their first 10-game stretch of the season, when they were 4-5-1, and one, and the sky was falling, and everything looked bad around this team, the Avalanche had four power play goals, and that's ultimately what did it for them. They're finally getting hot. Obviously, they needed a slump buster like Vancouver to do it. And Vancouver's only at a 60% PK rating. But it looks like they're finally clicking. That's kind of what I wanted to get into next. Is it more so that the power play was excellent last night? Or was it that the Vancouver penalty kill is just garbage? Because like you're saying, you know that that's now their fourth power play goal against the Vancouver Canucks, which is 40% of their power play goals. So um, it's hard, you know, hard which way you read into it here. 
No, no, no. Okay, so let's pretend that it went the other way because going into these last couple games against Vancouver, so three games ago and then one game ago, the Avalanche had a top two or sorry, bottom two, bottom three PP in the league and Vancouver had a bottom two, bottom three PK in the league, right? So let's say Vancouver shut down the Avalanche's PP for two days. If you're a Vancouver Canuck fan, are you sitting there going, oh, our, PP, our PK still sucks. We shut down a team that can't score on the power play. No, you're like, we finally figured it out. Even though the Avalanche are bad on the power play, we finally shut down a team on the, on the penalty kill and we're getting those numbers up. So it works both ways. The Avalanche's power play finally started to click. Even though it's a team that was crummy on the PK, well, they were crummy on the power play. So it kind of cancels out. Yeah, I kind of look at Rantanen's goal, which was the first goal of the game, right? And uh, it was on the power play. And I guess let's rewind to Connor McDavid's magical goal where he walked four defenders, uh, what was it, last week, two weeks ago? And just the look on his face, right? Everybody was talking about the celebration that McDavid had. And it's it's wild with how many goals he scored, how pumped he was on that goal. Well, you look at Rantanen on that first goal against Vancouver, and again, a power play goal, and it was the exact opposite reaction. That was almost a more of a, yeah, I'm expected to score that one. I'm not pumped about it at all because I just took care of what I'm supposed to take care of care of did you see did you see Kale McCarr's celebration on his power play goal same thing 100 same, same thing he's just like yeah I, cool. just stoic yep, yep we took care of it so in my mind you know part of me is Miko Ranson and thinking like yeah we absolutely should be tearing this penalty kill apart but the fact that they were able to do it and able to execute I mean that's the best part about it so yeah I just wanted to point that out because I loved his reaction it was more of a yeah we're taking care of business mentality. And that kind of, you know, I commented what was two podcasts ago now on Jared Bednar's energy right on the post game. He still doesn't have that excited energy, still has a frustrated sense to him. That's kind of the vibe I got from the reaction on Rantanen's goal and McCard's goal. Could have been the same on Kadri's goal, but of course a fight broke out after that one. Yeah. I mean, for, for those guys, it's more or less the idea of they know that they're better than they've been all year. And it's, don't applaud me for doing this. You should shame me if I don't. Almost the, the Barry Sanders mentality, right? Act like you've been there before. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Shout out Barry Sanders and a nice uh, reference to the city of Detroit there. Woo. Um, but yeah. Another one. Second one already. Already. Look at that. We're six minutes in and everybody's already rolling <laughs> their eyes about this damn co-host who's from Detroit. Um, but yeah. So uh, for, for Ranton and Makar, they, I mean... The reality is exactly that. Like, they know they haven't been as good as they should be, but they're starting to pick it up. Kale McCarr's now got nine points. Miko Rantan has got, what, six goals now, I think? So they're mm-hmm. they're starting to be themselves again, and the whole team is. So, you know, we knew going into the stretch that the Avalanche were going to have finally a little bit of an easier stretch, and it's going to be an opportunity for them to build some confidence. But to them, it's like, we're not just here to build confidence. We're here to win the games that we're expected to win, and they're about to go into Seattle and have another game like that but they just played Vancouver twice. And this is a team that's lost five straight. So, you know, they're not going to over celebrate those. The, the, the Connor McDavid goal, even though it came against a team that's currently 10, three and three, they weren't at the time, but you know, they're one of the better teams in the NHL, the Rangers, he could have scored that goal against the coyotes and would have still celebrated the same way, because that was a goal where he tied it up late in a game where Edmonton was down multiple goals and came back to tie it up late. And it was one of those things where like, he just, he made this spectacular play and his reaction was wasn't more like let's go we tied it it was like oh my god look what i just did i can't believe i just did that mm-hmm. so you know the general feel for Makar and ran and on the power play is like yeah i scored on the power play on a team that's 60 percent whoop-de-doo let's get two more points and let's go to seattle 
that kind of helps me transition nicely into the next conversation because I think there's a lot to unpack with it, and that's the Quinn Hughes penalty, which was quickly followed up, and by quickly, I mean very quickly followed up by Kale McCarr's power play goal, right? And that's Quinn Hughes going into one end and getting kind of wrecked by Sam Gerrard. Wasn't a dirty hit whatsoever. It wasn't even that hard of a hit. It's hard to kind of tell it's what Quinn Sam Hughes Gerard. is mad about. Yeah, and then <laughs> Quinn Hughes loses his cool, skates down the end of the, end of the ice, cross-checks Sam Gerrard, breaks his stick in the act, and Sam Gerrard doesn't even realize what's going on, right? He doesn't even seem to be phased <laughs> by it. That should tell you all you need to know about how hockey sticks are made nowadays. Yeah, exactly. And just, I think I think you look at just that, and of course, two seconds in, there's been so much conversation. Quinn Hughes, Kale, Mar- Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, and then Kale McCarr buries one two seconds into the power play, which probably just made Quinn Hughes feel like an idiot. But again, a lot to unpack in that short little span there. And I think one of the things that stands out to me is exactly what you're saying. Uh, on that on this team, on the Colorado Avalanche, a play like that with Quinn Hughes would not fly. Jared Bednar would be so deep down his throat. Uh, I don't mean it like that. That is a weird thing to say. But <laughs> Jared Bednar would be uh, so angry at him and just wouldn't even occur to I, I, an Avalanche player to do anything like that because of that mentality of you're going to hurt the team. And, of course, it did exactly that for in Quinn Hughes' case. But I just you wouldn't see anything like that happen on a Jared Bednar bench. And I know... Lately, a lot of people have been trying to throw stones at Jared Bednar, but you know, and you look at the disciplinary aspect of this team, and that's just not something you would ever see, even from a guy like Kadri, right? I mean, Jared Bednar, to be honest, we all remember what he said after the Nazem Kadri 10-minute misconduct against Jordan Binnington. He said, I mean, what did you expect when you're going to go back and chirp the goalie? And like rekindle the like he he wouldn't even stick up for Kadri for that. So okay, the mm-hmm. guy stuck his or swung his stick at your face. Did he hit you? No. He looks like an idiot. Laugh at him and walk away. But obviously Kadri talked a little bit more. So like even to that extent, Jared wasn't having it. And and obviously, yeah, that's that's the difference between uh, a coach that has control of his bench and the team's frustrations and a coach that doesn't right now because Vancouver is kind of unraveling before our very eyes, and we might see a coach and GM change before this podcast is even over. So who knows what's happening over there? Meanwhile, the Avalanche had a four, five, and one stretch, and Jared was still, you know, as much as people are complaining about him, you know, we've been coming on this podcast for the last three weeks saying, "Cool it with the fire Bedner talks," because he's lacking this or lacking that. No, he's just trying to get his team to continue to do what he knows how to do. And you know, should Jared go out and complain about the officiating like uh, Pete DeBoer did and started getting penalties in the Vegas series? Maybe in the playoffs. But in game seven, eight, nine of the regular season, I think we need to just tone it down a little bit. So that's kind of the idea is Jared Bednar isn't going to have it. Those kind of plays aren't going to aren't going to happen, aren't going to fly with him. And, you know, it doesn't matter if your name is Quinn Hughes, Miko Ranton and Nathan McKinnon or Kel McCarr. Like he would not let that fly with his team. Now, in regards to Quinn Hughes, um, that should tell you all you need to know about where Vancouver is going right now. The frustrations that that team has. He took a hit from Sam Gerrard, which didn't even seem like that bad of a hit or a play that really hurt him that much and, you know, skated across the ice. And it came way later where he actually like took the time to to, to hunt him down pretty much and break his stick on him where he had that look on his face like, yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to do. Now I'm going to go walk to the penalty box because I know I get a penalty here. Like he went out of his way to take a minor penalty to put his team shorthanded. And that should tell you all you need to know about the frustration surrounding that team because that's the second biggest name on their team. Yeah, I mean... uh I guess I'm not sure if you had the chance to see that picture that's floating around Twitter on Avalanche Land this today, but it was 
two shots of the benches during the, the timeout, right? Where it's it's three to two at that time, and you saw Vancouver just looking completely disinterested. Looked like yeah. uh, Travis Green was just kind of trying to yell at people. Where you had Jared Bednar really engaged, all the players engaged. You had EJ with his arms around his teammates, and just two polar opposites of uh, I guess where the teams are right now, right? The two states of the teams, but. Uh, along. Yeah, I don't like reading. Sorry, I don't like reading into those so much, just because you know you could have paused it at a different part of each of the timeout to see the avalanche kind of looking a little bit more disengaged. Sure, sure. Could have been but the end the gen- of the timeout, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. The general theme of the timeout when you watch the whole thing, there is a little bit to that of the avalanche. And the crazy part is the avalanche weren't the team trailing; they weren't the team that needed to get the game tying goal. But the reality is, the reason why they were huddled like that is because Bedner was drawing out a play, which. If if you want to know how much attention to detail Jared has, he was drawing out a play for how to not let the puck get into your net. Yeah, which he wasn't trying like he wasn't drawing out a play for a scoring play. Like it's it just goes to show how much attention to detail he has. But I mean, the general sense of that picture is exactly what you're saying it is. Yeah, which Jared Bednar tends to do too, right? And um, if going back to your statement about when Jared Bednar was kind of getting after Kadri for messing with Jordan Bennington, and that's kind of when I came on this podcast and was saying, man, I, I really don't feel like Kadri gets the respect from his team and maybe this team doesn't really uh, want to stick up for him, right? And then last night we saw with Kadri's goal after he gets cross-checked three seconds after he buried it, the entire team jumps in and gets his back and kind of uh, just kind of shows their support for him. And I thought that was really good to see, led by Miko Rantanen, who's not exactly a physical guy, not a vicious guy, not a violent guy whatsoever. So, um, you know, I'd like... And Gabe Landeskog, who will fight anybody and anybody. Right, which is all he's <laughs> trying to do left and right all game long. He's just out there trying to bully people around, which I'm fine with it because he's producing point-wise, right? He's got 14 points in 11 games so far and is a shared leader of goals with uh, Miko Rantanen at six. But yeah, I think I can put all those thoughts I had to rest about uh, just this team not really getting Kadri's back. I think it's uh, I'm completely wrong about that, and I, I, I think I was proven wrong last night. Yeah, I mean, Nazem Kadri's the kind of player that you would, you know, any teammate would would take the shirt off their back to give to Nazem Kadri if, they, if, if he needed it because he's the kind of player that would do the exact same for you no matter what happened. He's the player you want in the trenches. He's a player that's going to stick up for you in every situation to the point where when he needs it, you're like, you know what? Yeah, let's return the favor. And seeing Miko Rantanen jump in there was awesome. My favorite part about that was like, it was a goal. It went into the net. JT Miller did what he did to Kadri, hit him into the post, and not a single player on the avalanche put their arms up to celebrate that they just tied the game. They didn't give a crap. I mean, obviously, in their mind, they're like, woohoo, it's 2-2. However, let's go jump this guy. Like, it was, the focus was on JT Miller and sticking up for Kadri more than it was celebrating the goal. There wasn't, you know, two guys off to the side patting each, patting each other on the back to celebrate the goal and two guys sticking up for him. It was the entire team jumped in there right away, all five skaters, all four skaters. So that was really awesome to see. And yeah, I mean, Nazem Kadri's. He's he's earned the respect of this team from the very beginning. What was that story in the bubble where he bought everybody Gucci slippers or Armani slippers or whatever? Very, very Lebanese Gucci. of him. They, they were, were Gucci. Gucci. Very Lebanese of him. Everybody I went to high school with had a Gucci belt at like 14 years old. It's a very Lebanese thing to do for some reason. So um, that's the kind of guy that's earned his teammates respect. And he did from the first day he was here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I'm with it. I, I like the way that his teammates are getting his back. I like the way Gabe Landeskog, you know, I, that penalty that Kadri got 
for interference straight off the faceoff early on in the game. I thought it was definitely a penalty, kind of a dumb move by Kadri, just doing his typical stuff, trying to be cheeky, right? But Gabe Landeskog still goes to the ref and tells him he's making a bad call and it was a mistake. And yeah, so I, I think he absolutely has the respect of his teammates and, and the love and Gabe Landeskog's there to prove it. Um, we're going to get deeper into Nazem Kadri here, but real quick, guys, I got to tell you about Total Beverage in Westminster. Arif, I actually drove by Total Beverage this uh, afternoon and, you know, there's certain liquor stores that you approach and they're really dirty, they're really gross. Part of you is like, man, I might get stabbed here. Total Beverage is the exact opposite of that. <laughs> it's one of the, the cleanest looking. It almost looks like a full-on grocery store in there in a nice little shopette. So if you're worried about getting stabbed at your local liquor store, definitely check out Total Beverage. You'll feel a lot safer. But not only will you not get stabbed there, they got a great selection of beer, wine, and spirits. And they also have curbside pickup available. On top of that, they also do wine education classes, and you can even do those online. So from the comfort of your own home, you can become a sommelier yourself. So Get to know Total Beverage. That The one I visited was right off Sheridan and uh, in between 93rd and 94th. The other location is off 104th in Thornton. Um, so, yeah, go check out them in person or go online and check out some of their weekly deals or events and even drink recipes, totalbev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more, and you probably won't get stabbed. That was the best ad read we've ever had on this pod. Everything you, you needed more yeah. except for getting stabbed. It was a nice little nice little liquor store. But uh, yeah, Nazem Kadri. I think he's, you know, we've t- we pumped his tires a ton on this show and we've talked about him a lot. But I think people are realizing the impact he's having, but not quite to the extent, right? I mean, yeah, you hear he's on a seven-point pace or seven-point streak here. You're like, oh, yeah, he's playing well. But it gets a little bit deeper than that, right? He's doing not only some things well, he's doing everything well right right now. Yeah, so obviously he's one of the better players on the team in face-off winning percentage. And uh, that's one of many things he's doing well. I mean, Nazem Kadri, uh, first of all, don't call it a redemption tour because that's not what he wanted it to be known as. When we talked to him in the beginning of the season and asked him if he's got a little bit of a bounce back mentality and a chip on his shoulder because of the suspension in the playoffs last year, he was like, no, I'm going to come in and play the game I play and you know do what I do. It's not like I'm going to be any less of a player if I didn't get suspended. Um, so don't call it a redemption tour, but it, that's exactly what it is. It's a Nazem Kadri redemption tour. He's got five goals. He's got 12 assists in 13 games, 17 points. So let's let's break that down just a little bit. He's got 17 points in 13 games, seven straight games with a point for just the third time in his career, first time since 2017, which was before Toronto brought in John Tavares. So it was a long time ago. He's got five straight games with an assist, career best, first time he's ever done that. He's operating at a pace where he's got 12 assists in 13 games. He's operating at a pretty damn good, almost a point per game, assist per game pace, which is a first in his career. And he's doing it, the most important part about this, he's doing it playing everywhere. He's finally had two or three games in a row here where Val Nichushkin and Andre Burakovsky are his line mates to the point where Jared Bednar, even when McKinnon went down, he said, no, no, we're not going to touch that line. We're going to bring up Comfort. And then Comfort goes down and he says, no, no, we're not going to touch that line. We're going to switch Miko Rantanen into center like he played in Finland and bring up Logan O'Connor just to give Kadri a little bit of, you know, some some regular teammates there, some consistency with his line mates. And then on top of that, Kadri's not playing on the top power play unit. And I, you know, I'm not against it. I think he should be there because we saw in the bubble what the Avalanche did with that stacked top unit. But Jared wants a right-hand shot in the bumper spot. 
That's why it was JT Comfer. That's why he was replaced now with Nicholas Obey Kubel. And that's why Nazem Kadri continues to play on the second pair. But what do we see every single game? And we saw it again yesterday. Every single time Kadri starts on the second PP unit, he starts to have a good game and finds himself right back on that top unit, stacked lineup, because he's basically forcing Bedner's hand. Like, I'm too good for you to not play me every single chance you can get. He's got six points in his last two games. And to make it all the more important of how, or to show exactly how impressive his run has been this year, not only is he already more than halfway to last year's point totals, he had 32 points last year. He's already got 17 this year. The year before, the year that we rave about Nazem Kadri, obviously a lot of it was because of the playoff performance. But in 2019-20, Nazem Kadri had 17 assists, 19 goals, 36 points in that season in 51 games. He's already almost halfway to that total as well. He's going to blow by his career high with the Avalanche. His NHL career high is 61 points, and he only needs 44 more to hit that, and he's got 69 more games to do it. Like Everything about this season is showing that Nazem Kadri, again, don't call it a redemption tour because that's not what he wants it to be called, but he's out to show that at 31 years old, he's still the player that you can rely on. He's still a player that can win. He's still at the top of his game. And what you saw in the playoffs last year, not just the suspension, but the poor streak he had before that was a one-off. And it was a one-off for him. And he's here to show that he is exactly the type of player that the Avalanche had when they traded Tyson Barry for, for him three years ago. I think... Without a doubt, 100% he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, whether he wants to acknowledge it or not, you know, maybe... But don't call it that. No, don't call it that. You know, he may maybe wanted to, you know, give the quote-unquote politically correct answer, right, and uh, just not draw any attention to himself while maybe still thinking, You're at, yeah, I absolutely have a chip on my shoulder. Or maybe he actually firmly believes that he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder and he's just trying to do him. But I think there, there's three people he's trying to prove this season, right? And that's all the naysayers that don't think he's a good NHL player or an asset to any team. I think that's the NHL just for, you know, he kind of, naturally wants to stick it to them and say, hey, you want us to suspend me? Suspend this. And then, of course, with the contract, it's crazy how that flip, that switch just gets flipped. Two weeks in a row. And, uh, the flip gets switched. Nailed it this time. And, uh, yeah, it, that he has to play for whatever he is uh, his next contract here. So I think it's just natural that he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder whether or not he wants to admit it. So he's he's playing with one, and it's, it's working out great for him. And, I, you know, I think he... He's playing focused too, right? He's not letting a play like uh, Miller, who's tossing him into the net without even a stick in his hand. He's not letting that get to his head. He wasn't even the first one to get up and start fighting. He was more. He didn't at all. He's more looking at the ref and saying, hey, yeah. "Aren't you going to call something?" Rather than you know doing something in in retaliation to get another penalty. The way that I read that play was he was looking at the ref going, "See, this is the shit that happens to me. That you know, if I jump into this, you guys are going to bitch at me." Because there was a play earlier in the game that he w there was a no call that he was involved in, and he was kind of doing the same thing. Like, hey, w where's the call here? So he went from trying to police the game himself, which is what the NHL encourages, even though that's not the right way to do things, and the game needs to change because it's a bit of a caveman mentality. It's very old school. That's the way the NHL goes, but that's not the way it goes for Nazem Kadri because as soon as he tries to start policing things himself, he's in the box for two minutes, for five minutes, for 10 minutes. He's suspended. He obviously does not have the benefit of the doubt of the referees. And, you know, that's a conversation I was having with, with Peter Baugh. It's, it's not, can Nazem Kadri change his game? It's, can you rely on him in the playoffs knowing 
that he's going to need to play a step or two below everybody else because the referees are never going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And here's a cool little thing as well. Back when he was in Toronto, and I'm not going to pretend I got this myself. I heard it on a, on a Toronto Maple Leafs podcast. But back when he was with the Maple Leafs, there was this article that came out. The Athletic wrote about, it's always a damn athletic, right? The Athletic came out and wrote this long story about how Nazem Kadri is one of the best players in the NHL at drawing penalties. Which, by the way, you know, this was when he was in Toronto. In 1920 with the Avs, he was still at the top of the list. He was one of the better. And I think he still is this year. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So he's always been there. But as soon as that article was published and started to kind of make airwaves around the NHL world, six straight games, he did not draw a single call to the point where Mike Babcock had to come out in a post-game press conference and be like, okay, enough is enough. Like, we, we get it. You read the story. Like, okay, it's over. Like, that's how ridiculous it is. That's the way that the NHL officiating works. So shout out to Nazem Kadri for not jumping into that. He just scored the game tying goal. The last thing you want is to be like, Kadri scored and now he's in the box for two minutes. And then you have people bitching and moaning on Twitter about how he should have kept his cool. He just scored a goal. Let JT Miller be an idiot. All the while knowing that if Kadri was in Miller's position, he's getting thrown out of the game. Well, and that that's what's frustrating though, right? Wasn't the result of the call matching penalties and they had, yeah. Offsetting. Yeah, offsetting minors. Miko Rantanen and, and, and himself. Like, how, how do you come up to that conclusion? If that was Kadri and JT Miller's position and JT Miller scored and Kadri threw him into the boards, the avalanche are on the PK and Kadri sitting in the box. Yeah. yeah. So don't call it a redemption, but <laughs> he's he's here to he's here to kind of play with that chip on his shoulder to stick it to the NHL and stick it to everyone. He's the kind of player that, you know, whether it's with the Avs or elsewhere, and we're going to say it's with the Avs because that's where he plays right now. And this is a Stanley Cup contending team, but he's the type of player that can score a game winning goal in the Stanley Cup final, a cup winning goal, just to stick it to everyone. Darren McCarty did it with the Red Wings a couple years after he pissed off all of Colorado and we all hated him. And he went out, not only did he score the game winning goal in that game, the fight night at the Joe game, but he scored the cup winning goal. It was in 97, I believe the same year. So, you know, he went out there and was a heel and everybody hated him. And Nazem Kadri is going to do the same thing. And he's going to ride off into the sunset with a cup ring and a new contract. Yeah. And it's going to be us giving him the recognition, right? I mean, I, I want to circle back to that Connor McDavid goal again. And I'm not sure if you heard, but in reaction that John Tortorella was on ESPN, I think, is who he's working for and just had nothing but bad things to say about Connor McDavid, right? And mainly, by the way, because of the way Connor McDavid is acting towards refs and wanting every call. And I'm kind of with Tortorella. Yeah, you kind of got to shut up. But at the same time, Connor McDavid is not getting calls. So, um, but I guess my point in bringing up Tortorella is a guy like Kadri is playing the way John Tortorella kind of shamed Connor McDavid for not playing and Kadri still doesn't really get the respect for it. he's shutting up he's not being a whiner he's not saying hey where are all my calls that I should be getting he's just putting his head down and he's playing the game but he's not really getting the respect for uh from the refs that he deserves for kind of being more respectful than he needs to be yeah and uh the funny thing about that uh Connor McDavid play just to bring it back to him as well uh he got asked about that today in the Edmonton Oilers media scrum about John Tortorella, about the, he 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 didn't get asked about John Tortorella. He basically said uh, the reporter said something like, "Look, I know you've been asked about this in the past, but just you know, do you have any other comments since it's kind of going viral right now about the fact that you don't get any calls right now?" Mm-hmm. And he kind of like, uh, 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 and then he just went, "I guess I guess I just got to shut up about this," and just boom, stuck it right to John Tortorella. So it was, it was a cool <laughs> quote to see, especially from somebody like him. But back to Nazem Kadri, I mean, again. 
I don't know which way people want him to go. If he shuts up, if he uh, just lets it be and lets the play be, he doesn't get the calls. If he tries to police it himself, he doesn't get the calls and he's the one getting the calls. The only time he ever gets the calls is his on-ice play when he's getting hooked and grabbed and jabbed and you know all the things that lead to minor infractions. But every single time there's a scrum and Nazem Kadri's involved, I'm surprised he somehow didn't end up in the box yesterday. And the only reason why he didn't is because he didn't even get close to the scrum. He stayed out of it completely. But if he even got in there just to put his arm around a guy and pull him out, kind of like you see everybody do, they all pair up. You know how it is. Um, I think he would have ended up in the box just because eh, Nazem Kadri, a scrum that started with him and he was involved in it. So he stayed out of it completely. And then they still gave Miko Ranton in a minor penalty to make it offsetting. It was just, it was ridiculous. Um, it was a really weird turn of events, but that's just the respect that Nazem Kadri has among NHL officials right now. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and he's even feeling it in the face-off doubt, right? Even Peter McNabb and Mark no- Moser took a second to note how often Kadri gets kicked out of the face-off dot. And I think Moser said, what does he have to do to stop getting kicked out? And McNabb's response was, what does he not? What is he not doing, or something along those lines? Just kind of a, basically saying, "I don't really know. I'm just trying to say something here and fill airtime," <laughs> um, because nobody knows. I mean, I, I'm sure he's encroaching a little bit, but I'm sure he's also getting kicked out of the league more than he deserves to. And I mean, sure, it's reputation, right? It's not like he just got this out of nowhere. He he earned th- this treatment, but he's trying to grow. He's trying to change, and they're making it harder on him. I feel. I mean, it happens to everybody. Sidney Crosby was who Sidney Crosby was when he was younger. Now he's one of the more respected players in the NHL. It happens to everybody. You always see players grow out of that, you know, kind of a phase. Uh, And, you know, Kadri's now 31 years old and he's on pace to have a career year offensively in goals. Well, not in goals, but in assistant points. And, uh, you know, it's still the same stuff that was happening in 2013 and 14 when he was a rookie and a second year player. No, seven, eight years ago. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, since it is a quicker hit podcast, it's a perfect time to stop and tell you guys about DraftKings. Guys, our, our buddies over at DraftKings, we love DraftKings here on the show. I use them every day, literally every day. So football fans, who's ready to score some free bets? Now you can win your bet on the NFL game this week with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS to bet $1 on either team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Now, Arif, you know all I really do on my spare time if I'm not watching avalanche hockey I'm just watching hockey in general and I saw DraftKings Sportsbook has a has a hockey TV commercial out there I wonder why they didn't throw us that live read because it's the same idea you uh new new customers sign up and you get a you, you I think you did one dollar to one hundred dollars for either team to score which happens every NHL game right you've never seen a zero to zero game so uh if you can find that one put MHS in and you'll probably be able to get that one for if, if you're hockey 
only like kind of I am. I'm pretty pretty much strictly hockey. I mean, I don't I don't think you're listening to Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast if you're a Nuggets fan and know nothing about the NHL. Exactly. Just Hopefully shot. they throw us that uh hockey read cuz I've been excited for one of those since since DraftKings hopped on board. So. Yeah. We always we always got to take those football ones and kind of like but there's also hockey, but yeah. The worst is it. when they give us an MMA one and I have to pretend like I know anything about MMA whatsoever. Not only that, but you have to sit there and try to pronounce names. Those are the right. funnest parts. Because I, I watch all the big fights in the MMA and the UFC and you know I, I follow it pretty regularly and there are some names that I struggle pronouncing. <laughs> and then if you've never heard of them completely, it's just going to... Just that's what you. that's uh, the good side of being a hockey guy, right? You know, some of the toughest names in sports are all hockey players, right? Shesterkin, Buchnevich, like those are names you throw in a, in front of any other media member that's not a hockey guy, and and they're going to struggle too. So, uh, it's a, there's a plus to being a hockey guy, and with that plus, you get to talk about goaltending, and I think that's something that's on everybody's mind right now because we feel comfortable now, right? It seems like Kemper's acclimated. We've heard how you have to give goalies some time to get used to their new team. Well, now Kemper is fully used to this team. You know, I think statistically, he's right where we want him to be. He looks sharp and all his numbers are great. I think stylistically, there's still some things I'd like to see him do better. But hey, I'm not complaining. Wins are wins. And he's uh, not letting up three goals a game anymore, which I love. Yeah, Darcy Kemper has been on a little bit of a tear, which is crazy to think that we're talking about him, you know, finally picking it up and his season numbers, he's seven and four. Like that's, those are not bad numbers to have. And, uh, over his last eight games, he's won six. So he's six and two over his last eight games over his last five, he's four and one. So he's on a little bit of a tear, but I like to look at bigger sample sizes and smaller sample sizes. His first three games were terrible. You know, not straight outright terrible, but the one against Chicago was whatever. He led in two goals opening night. That was pretty good of him. Against St. Louis, it was not good. And then against Washington, he got, you know, hung out to dry by the team. So the team defense and his numbers were just not good any way you shake it. But in his last eight games, he's six and two with a 927 save percentage. That's the type of goalie that the Avalanche thought they were getting. That's the type of guy that you can rely on to go deep into the playoffs. And that's the type of guy that you can call a cup winning uh, goalie if that's what you want to do this year. So shout out to Darcy Kemper. He's on a hell of a run right now. And the most important thing for me is exactly what you just said. It was the fact that early in the season, he always let in three goals against. It was two, four, five, three, two, three. And you're like, is he ever going to have games where he doesn't let in three? So he has the one against Minnesota and then, oh, another three against Columbus. But now in this three-game winning streak, one goal against, two goals against, two goals against. He's let in five goals against while the Avalanche have went and lit up the opposition 17 times. So shout out to Darcy Kemper. He's still facing more shots than Philip Grubauer was here, but he's stopping a hell of a lot more as well. So he's finally getting acclimated. He's finally being the goalie the Avalanche knew he could be. And it's crazy to say it only took him a month to get acclimated and not longer. Now, I don't want to be this guy and, and rain on the parade, but like you've been saying, you were thinking to yourself, when is this guy going to let in less than three goals on a consistent basis? I'm waiting for my shutout, right? Especially with this team. Grubauer led the league in, in shutouts for a while. I, I forget if he ended the season with, a, with the lead in shutouts, but he was getting them left and right, it seemed like, last year, and we're still waiting on that. He was facing 20 shots a game. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. I hear that point, but technically we got an upgrade in goal, right? And... uh You'd think that the that the defensive group and system would take a step forward as well. So I'm every we almost had it against San Jose and every game that the Avs are up four nothing, five nothing, three nothing, and you're like, man, maybe this is the night, maybe this is the one, and then 
some sort of goofy goal gets let in. So I, I, I'm waiting for one of these shutouts. Hopefully we get one in the next couple games here. Yeah, I think they'll get one soon. And I also don't think it's uh, that big of an issue 11 games in, especially no, when the first no. three or four. I just have a high acclimated. bar. I have a no, high yeah, bar. No, and that's totally fine. Um, but I'm going to take it back to the shots against. 36 against Vancouver. Or sorry, 34 against Vancouver. 30 against San Jose. Only 22 in that 7-1 game. And that was the game to do it because the Avalanche were dominating. But whatever, mm-hmm. he let in two goals. 41 against Columbus when they gave up the game late. 30 against Minnesota where they just barely beat them. 18 against St. Louis in that game that they dominated. He let in three goals against, and that was the game where I kind of rolled my eyes at how he let in the third goal. 28, 32, 39, 27, 34. It's a lot of big numbers when you think back to last year and look at that streak of how many games in a row the Avalanche let in not just less than 25 shots, or sorry, not just less than 30 shots, but also less than 25. And then you come here and you look at his game and see that he's only had two games where the Avalanche have given up less than 25 shots and only four that they've given up less than 30 out of 11 games. So he's facing a lot of puck, and a lot of them are you know quality opportunities. As the team goes, he will go as well. If The the the, the biggest thing for me is, um, and I'm not just looking at his numbers this year and what he's doing in Seattle or what he hasn't been doing in Seattle in regards to Philip Grubauer, but with all things being equal, Darcy Kemper does better than Philip Grubauer. So if you take Darcy Kemper, at his strongest when he's acclimated with the team like he is right now and stick him onto last year's avalanche and simulate all of the 39 games that Philip Grubauer played and put Darcy Kemper in there instead, his numbers would look a little bit better. And if you take Darcy Kemper at his best acclimated to the team, not what he's doing with Seattle right now, but at his best with the avalanche, the Grubauer we know and love, and you stick him with the avalanche and have him play the exact 11 games that Darcy Kemper just played, his numbers might look a little bit worse. Darcy Kemper's the better goalie, and that is no disrespect to Philip Grubauer. I'm super pumped for that guy to get that contract. He deserved it. He needed to get the big payday. I hope the Seattle Kraken pick it up. And I think we need to lay a, lay a little, little lay off of Philip Grubauer a little bit because that team is just poorly built and terribly put together uh, to blame it on the goalie for not stopping the puck. But the reality is for the guy in Denver right now, Darcy Kemper, he is the, the better goalie and the Avalanche did get an upgrade. So the shutouts will come. Yeah, I just hope I don't have to wait till January 14th and 15th. That's when uh, the Avalanche play Arizona on back-to-back nights. But you got to think. Oh, you know they're going to lose one of those. You just you can feel it. <laughs> I, you got to think uh, Darcy Kemper is going to come out big for that one. And, and he's probably going to have a hell of a game. But you don't really have many weak teams uh coming up here. I mean, you kind of got Seattle and then you kind of get into a stretch of tougher teams. So, um, yeah, again, I'm not saying if that the fact that he doesn't have a shutout means he's been terrible. I'd call, I'd call Ottawa a weak team as well, especially considering not only are they weaker in the standings, but they're going to be coming off a one week break. Um, I would call tomorrow's game and Monday's game against Ottawa easy before you get the Ducks, Stars, Predators, Maple Leafs. And of those games, the only game that's easier is Dallas. But yeah, I get what you mean. Ottawa's just one of those teams that on any given night, they can come out and, and beat you for some reason. That's the thing, yeah. But coming off of a one-week one, one week off COVID break, the first one of the season for any team, mm-hmm. uh, I'm really curious what's going to happen. There. Yeah, I forgot about that last year, right? I mean, that was something we dealt with plenty of times last season. And when it, when a team would, oh, not just the Avalanche, the NHL as a whole, and when, when yeah, a team would exactly. go on a COVID break, they'd come out and their first game, they'd typically lose. So let's remember that everybody on DraftKings uh, for <laughs> Ottawa's first game Except- back. Except for Vancouver coming back off of the worst COVID pause of the entire season. Their team got completely ravaged and beating the Toronto Maple Leafs because that's what it happens. It wasn't 100% Arif, but no no, no <laughs> betting is 100%. 
Um, but yeah, let's look at some updates, right? I don't think we've had much of an update on the injuries since we last spoke. So um, we know Bowen Byram, he skated today in a red no-contact jersey. Funny that he went on the trip. We got JT Confer and Pavel Francouz. What are the updates on all three? Uh, Bowen Byram went on the trip because he's on his own timeline, as Jared Bednar said. As soon as he's healthy to go, he will go. Uh, the fact that he was able to skate today is already a step in the right direction, so hopefully soon. Uh, nothing yet on Pavel Francouz. He skated on his own, I believe, Tuesday at Family Sports or maybe Monday, one of the two practices that I was there for before they hit the road on uh, for the road trip. Um, no updates yet as of what that means. Uh, JT Comfer, we've had an update since the last time we recorded. He's out exactly a month and uh, or about a month, I should say, not exactly a month. And yeah, the Avalanche are going to do work without McKinnon and Comfer, their first and third line centers for, you know, a few weeks and then for Comfer for a month. So with Byram, I mean, we know he's in concussion protocol, right? I mean, if you're in protocol and you suddenly start to feel better, you're still not able to jump back in the lineup or is it just, hey, I feel good today, coach. I'm ready to go. Oh, no, I, I think it's a daily thing. They do a couple of concussion protocol tests and then he's he's good to go. This is not like COVID where it's like you have to be on there for a minimum or whatever. No, it's just concussion protocol is just another way of saying he has a concussion until he doesn't. Cool, cool. Well, yeah, last thing we got to get into is the game ahead. We'll only have one between uh, now and our next podcast. So that's the Seattle Kraken, the Avalanche first time in Seattle. So, um, yeah, obviously we expect a W out of that one. But any notable things you want to point out going into that game? No, it's just going to be a fun one. Climate Pledge Arena looks really freaking cool. And I'm excited to watch a full Avalanche game of it on TV, obviously. Uh, You know, hopefully one day I'll be there covering it in person. Uh, Jonas Donskoy against the Avalanche. Philip Grubauer against Darcy Kemper is expected to be the two goalies. It's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, I think there's you know no question about it. The Avalanche come away with a victory here against a team that's 2-9 and nine in their last 11. Yeah, I mean, you just got to feel really bad for what's going on in Seattle, right? I was watching the game the other day, and not only... Uh, is Seattle on a losing streak here, but they have, let's see how many games they're on a one, two, three, four, five game losing streak right now, as we record and they had Chicago in town and what comes with the Blackhawks being in town and Blackhawks fans in your building, right? And the poor Seattle Kraken crowd was probably just sitting there looking around like, who are all these people? Why are they so adamant about this team? Where did they come (laughs) from? And, of course, Chicago wins, gets their first road win of the year in Seattle. So, you know, things just can't be going much worse for Seattle Kraken fans right now. I was looking at their uh, their summary of, like, the games that they've played. And during this long stretch of them losing a lot of games, every single game they've lost by two or more goals, except for the game against Arizona where they lost in the final 45 seconds against a team that hadn't won yet. The first Arizona Coyotes win of the season. So... It's not looking too good right now. I think those I think those are Philip Grubauer's last few games is 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 what it's looking like. So, you know, not only is it a safe play to take the Avalanche since we're talking DraftKings, but that puck line is looking puck line. mighty fine. Puck line. Mighty fine right now. Yep, yep. At- but then of course you also have to take into account that Philip Grubauer is facing the Avalanche and like Varlamov, he's probably gonna put up a shutout in his first game against his former team, because that's what they do. Here comes a Donskoy Hattie too, right? Um, yeah. but no, only, only thing that pace. makes me nervous about that, I'm with it. I'm probably gonna take the puck line on that, but with Seattle having lost five in a row, Colorado having won three in a row, all streaks come to an end at some point, right? So that's the only thing that worries me is is the fact that streaks are involved, but the Avalanche should absolutely, absolutely take care of business. They feel like a team uh, that's buzzing right now. They're just clicking on all cylinders, and I, I, 
I think there's zero reason they should have any issue with the Seattle Kraken, especially with Kemper being in net, right? Is he? Do we have the confirmation that he's going yet? It's all but... There's no confirmation yet, but I would suspect so. I don't want to say all but guarantee, but I would suspect so. Cool. Yeah, and that'll be a fun matchup. Head-to-head, Grubauer versus Kemper. We can really gauge who made the right decision here, right? It all is going to be determined by this one game. If Grubauer wins the game <laughs> two to one, the Avalanche screwed the up. The Avalanche big lost time. the trade. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, that's all we really have for you today. No three stars because it's not our Sunday podcast. So um, uh, just get out there, enjoy the Seattle game. It's going to be a fun one on a Friday night. I mean, Friday night games are always more fun too, right? You get to go. It's going to be a late one probably, and you get to go have some uh, libations to your favorite pub and watch the game and then hit the town afterwards. I think it sounds like a great Friday night. So if that's your plan, just make sure you're safe out there, right? I see Patrick looking at me like, what the hell are you talking about right now, dude? <laughs> All right, let's, <laughs> let's just let's, let's wrap it. up the po- let's podcast. Put her away. <laughs> let's put her away. Yep. So that being said, thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. Hockey's for everyone. And we got you. See you on Sunday. Sunday.